what am I going to preach on Sunday? That's the dilemma that every preacher faces from week to week. Uh, what am I going to preach? What would be a suitable topic to preach? Well, there's lots of topics in the Bible, obviously, and many things to think about and many things that are needed by us all. But one topic apparently is being consistently overlooked by preachers in our day and time, and that is the topic of hell. Preachers are not preaching about hell. And there's been some studies of that. And I have a quote here from a fellow named Martin Marty. He's considered one of America's greatest religious historians. He's an award-winning theologian from the University of Chicago. So he's got the credentials here. Notice what he says about preaching on hell. He says, hell disappeared and no one noticed. For liberal Protestants, hell began to fade in the 19th century, along with the idea of a stern and predestining God. Notice this. Today, hell is a subject too trite for serious scholarship. If you're a serious Bible scholar, hell is just not a subject that you would even care to delve into. It's too trite, he says, to even consider if you're a serious scholar of the Bible. In a survey of seminary students, and so this would be a survey of those who are studying to be preachers, 46% of seminary students think that preaching on hell is in poor taste. It would be in poor taste to preach about hell. So obviously there's a significant trend away from preaching about hell. And that being the case, we have a simple question to investigate in our study this morning. What happens if we don't preach about hell? What's the result? What happens when we don't preach about hell? That's what we want to study together for for just a few minutes this morning. We stop here to thank everyone for being with us on this Lord's Day morning. Uh, It's a beautiful day in Middle Tennessee, and we're very privileged to be able to be together to worship God, and we're glad that you're here to be a part of that. We're encouraged by those who are here. Uh, We always look forward to the time we can be together. It's, It's our spiritual family. And we uh, love to associate together with our family in Christ. We're glad you're here to be a part of that. We have visitors today, and we're always grateful for our visitors. We, we, we are glad that you came, and we want you to come back every time you have a chance to be here. So what about hell? And specifically, we're not going to talk so much today about the reality of hell, although that's certainly a worthy study, and, and I think it's very easily established from the Scriptures that hell is real and that people will go to hell in eternity. But that's not really the thrust of our lesson this morning. We're going we're gonna to base our lesson on the assumption that that's understood. But what happens if we don't talk about it? What happens if we don't preach about hell? Well, the job of a preacher is to preach the whole counsel of God. And if we're not preaching about hell... We're not covering all the necessary areas. A very interesting statement to Jonah. In Jonah chapter 3, beginning verse 1, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. We all know the story of Jonah, how that when he was initially instructed to go to Nineveh, he fled. But ultimately, he went to Nineveh, and his assigned task was to preach unto Nineveh the preaching that I bid thee. Therefore, there's the assignment. The preaching that we ought to do should incorporate all that is in 
the, the Word of God, all the counsel of God. In the text that Arthur read earlier from Acts chapter 20, we remember that Paul was meeting with the elders from the church at Ephesus. And he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you, notice, all the counsel of God. If it's part of the Word of God and we don't preach it, we're not doing our assigned duty and we couldn't say what Paul said. Could, could Paul say this? I have not shunned to declare, to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Could he have honestly said that if he had neglected to preach about hell? I've known a time or two of preachers who openly expressed their determination to be exclusively positive. I'm just going to be positive about everything I preach and teach. Others may choose to preach on negative themes, and if they choose to do so, that's fine. But for me, I just choose to deal with things that are positive in nature. I want to tell you, we don't have that option. If we're going to preach all the counsel of God, we don't have the option to choose what we like and, and emphasize that and neglect other things that are harder or more difficult or, or less pleasant. We have to preach all the counsel of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 11, verse 22, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. It's great to preach about the goodness of God and all the positive, wonderful things that God is and that God does and the love and the mercy and grace that He has showered upon us so abundantly. The physical blessings we enjoy at His hand, the spiritual blessings that come to us, that's great. It's good to talk about the goodness of God. We should. That's a very positive thing to dwell on. But notice Paul also understood the importance of stressing the severity of God. You can't preach all the counsel of God if you're not talking about the severity of God. Paul saw the need for both, and so must we. So our first observation is that if we don't deal with the subject of hell, then we are not preaching the whole counsel of God. I would also argue that we're not following the example of Jesus and other Bible preachers Some folks have the idea that anybody who would dare to preach about hell is being cruel, maybe narrow-minded. I want you to think about that for a minute. Is it cruel to deal with a subject that's needed? Is it cruel when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, we've run some tests and we have have discovered that you have a, a cancerous tumor that's in a very bad spot and it's growing and uh, if we don't do something pretty quick, if we don't if we don't have surgery and remove that tumor, it's going to well, it's terminal. If you don't do, if you don't treat it, it will kill you. Would the doctor be cruel in announcing that to you and and insisting that quick action be taken to address this serious health threat? Oh no, we wouldn't say he's being cruel, right? We need that. We need. We don't like it. It's not so, you sure didn't want to hear that cancer diagnosis, but he was, he was doing his job and, and we're very grateful that this doctor was able to detect that and take steps to remedy it. I tell you, when it comes to this idea of being cruel, simply because we've talked about hell, I, I think that I would rather be called cruel when, when I was actually being kind to deal with a needed subject rather than for someone to think that we're kind when the fact of the matter is we have been cruel to them in neglecting a needed subject. Would you agree with that? In the Old Testament, 
many great men dealt with the subject of God's eternal punishment. We could cite Moses. We could cite Job. We could cite David in the Psalms. Great preachers of God throughout the ages have dealt with God's eternal punishment. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul frequently dealt with that. In fact, he penned what some regard to be the strongest passage about hell. In fact, this is maybe the strongest, most explicit statement of eternal punishment from anyone other than Jesus himself. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. I don't know, Paul. That's pretty cruel. That's pretty cruel to say those words, Paul. No, it's needed, right? Uh, if, if we need to hear that message, then the, the, those who proclaim the message, be they preachers or any Christian who goes to others to tell them and warn them about eternal punishment, we're just following the pattern of great men like the Apostle Paul when we do that. The Apostle John, like others, spoke about hell. The Apostle John is known. He's sort of the, the nickname that men have assigned to the Apostle John is that he was... The Apostle of Love. Uh, but John penned uh, a word picture here that probably comes to our mind more often than any other in describing hell. Notice what he said in Revelation 20, beginning verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And whosoever was not found written... Uh, in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's that description. You know, nobody else before John had ever used that description of hell. Here's John, the apostle of love. And he is the one who identified hell in maybe the most recognizable terms. It is a lake of fire. That's hard to forget, isn't it? When you think about hell. And it's because it came from the pen of John, the apostle of love. And of course, when we talk about Jesus, Jesus talked about hell a lot. For instance, just one place. We don't have time to, to reference all the places where Jesus talked about hell. There are so many. But in Matthew 23, 23, he said, ye, serp, ye, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? It's interesting that Jesus spoke more about hell than all of the other Bible authors or, or preachers combined. If you put together everything that everybody else in the Bible said about hell, Jesus said more than them all combined. 13%, I don't know how people come up with these, with these percentages, but someone has calculated that 13% of the things that Jesus taught about had to do with judgment and hell. And that 50% of the parables of Jesus dealt with the idea of judgment and punishment. Jesus, more than anyone else, spoke about hell. And if we decline to preach on that theme, then we're not following his example and the example of all other faithful men who have proclaimed God's message through the ages. If we don't preach about hell, we demonstrate a lack of love for lost souls. So here's a little child, a little toddler, and he's, he's wandering around outside and he's wandering out into a busy roadway. 
Can you imagine a parent allowing a child to wander out into the traffic and says, I'm not going to stop him. I'm not going to warn him. I'm not going to correct him. I just love him too much. Would we say that? We'd say, that's crazy. Of course you're going to stop the child from wandering in traffic. In fact, if you love him, you will stop him from wandering out into traffic. Well, if we love people, we will warn them about the dangers of hell. Uh, have you ever seen... Probably, you probably have, maybe in person, or maybe you've seen a video of someone. Here, here's, here's a situation where a person is in danger and may not know it, and someone rushes in and tackles them and, and, and carries them out of the way, and maybe then a speeding car comes whizzing right, but would have hit the person if this other individual didn't, in, in, in urgency, grab them, tackle them, push them out of the way. If you love someone, you warn about danger, right? If we love the lost, we're going to warn them about the danger of hell. I want to take you back to that passage. We were just looking at Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus called the religious leaders of his day serpents and generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? So in the text where he just talked about hell, I want to show you that the reason why he did that was because he loved those people so much. In that same context, just a few verses later in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Do you, do you see that? In the context of his warning about hell, he, he indicated that the reason why he was making those warnings was because he loved them so much. His love is what motivated him to act. And I want to suggest to you that that will be the same for us. If we love those who are lost in sin... We will be talking about the reality of hell. In a text that we talked about in our Bible class here in the auditorium this morning in Jude, verses 22 and 23, Jude says, On some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I really like that. I've come to really appreciate that verse more and more because you can, you can connect with that idea. Here's a house on fire, and somebody's in the house. What are you going to do? If you love them, you're going to do everything you can to rescue them. You're going to snatch them out of the fire. And it may be that you have to be rough with them. Maybe you have to grab them and crash through a window to get out of the burning house. Maybe you have to take drastic matters into your hand. You know, you use means that you wouldn't use ordinarily. But the danger is so great, you'll do whatever it takes to pull them out of the fire, to snatch them out of the fire. And sometimes even if it means we have to be harsh with those who are lost, if we love them, we will act on their behalf. So if we're not willing to preach about hell, I think we're demonstrating that lack of love. Uh, an, an old preacher was quoted as saying, if we had more love to you, we would tell you more about hell. I think it's probably a good observation. And if we don't tell the lost about hell, uh, we, we, we don't care enough for them. I want to suggest to you that if we don't and won't preach about hell, we, we lessen the power of the gospel. I read a story about an army chaplain who was addressing soldiers about to go into battle. But in the course of his discussion with them, he told them that he did not believe in hell. And one of the soldiers responded to him and saying that if that's the case, that his services were not needed. 
don't need your services if you don't believe in hell. Because he went on to say, if there's no hell, why would I worry about dying? I think that's a pretty good point. You know, if, 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 if we can live however we want, and when we die, it's just over. Okay, well, I'll just take that. There's no, that's no real threat, no real danger. I'm not really concerned. You see, when, when we fail to preach about hell, we've taken away that kind of motivation that should move people toward obedience. We've taken away one of the powerful tools that should move people to obedience when we don't preach about hell. A preacher who was of that conviction not to preach about hell, near the end of his life, he grieved. He said, no one fears God nowadays. Well, actually, that outcome was the fruit of his own work because he wouldn't preach about hell because he said he didn't believe in hell and he didn't preach about hell. And now he's grieving near the end of his life. No one fears God anymore. Well, you helped to make it so when you failed to preach about hell. I think we can certainly see the fruits of that sort of thing in our day. People don't fear hell. Hell's not being preached. It's not being emphasized. In Psalm 36, verse 1, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Do you see it? There's no fear of God. He's not not afraid. He has no fear. I think this is really true in our day and time. In, in all kinds of polls, you've probably read plenty of polls like this. A, a recent one indicated that 89% of Americans believe in heaven. So like 9 out of 10, right? 9 out of 10 Americans believe in heaven. Only 31% of Americans believe that there is a real punishing hell. So only 3 in 10 think that there will be hell. Uh, you get the idea. Hell's not being preached. It's not being emphasized. And why do you think that there's such a dramatic moral decline in America? Why is there no fear of God? Well, one of the reasons, I'm not saying it's the whole reason, but at least one of the reasons why there's no fear of God is because hell is not being preached. Paul used the idea of judgment and punishment as a powerful part of his preaching. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, beginning, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Notice, knowing that this is so, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So Paul said judgment is coming. And knowing the terror of the Lord and the reality of hell. We persuade men. In fact, we have a specific case example of Paul doing that very thing. In Acts chapter 24, you remember, we've talked about this recently. In Acts 24, when Paul was before the Roman governor Felix. And and Felix apparently was a pretty bad guy. If you ever read any history about this Roman governor Felix, he was a pretty immoral and corrupt individual. But Paul didn't hold back and he preached to him, he warned him. Felix sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Well, Felix trembled. And the idea that Felix trembled suggests that Paul had been pretty explicit about what will happen if you don't obey God. There was obvious warnings included in the message that Paul preached I think I've told you the story before about a number of years ago in another place where I preached on this very text in Acts chapter 24. A visitor to our services that day, who was a Christian from another t- another town, wrote me a letter 
and said that she thought it was very wrong to try to scare people into obeying God. That we should just preach about the love and the goodness and grace of God. Well, we, we believe in preaching the love and goodness and grace of God, obviously, but we also must preach the terror of the Lord. She suggested in this letter that she sent me that Paul actually was wrong to terrify Felix, that he shouldn't have preached that way. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'll go with Paul on that on that question. If, if, if you're going to take if you're going to take sides in that dispute, I, I'll side with Paul, won't you? Who, by inspiration, warned about the reality of hell. If we decline to preach about hell, we're lessening the power of the gospel. Finally, let me suggest to you that if we don't preach about hell, we put ourselves at risk of going there. I want to tell you, surely the people, the preachers and other Christians as well, who neglect to teach on hell are overlooking that not only do they endanger the souls of others who don't get the warning, but they endanger their own selves because they're not giving the warning. You're probably way ahead of me on this. The text that immediately comes to mind in that regard is from Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning verse 17, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. I mean, that doesn't even need explanation, does it? That is so straightforward and clear. If we don't give the warning, and people die in their sins because we didn't warn them about what was coming, we're going to be held accountable for that. And so, in this question of preaching about hell... First of all, we're not doing our job if we don't. We don't love people enough if we don't. But ultimately, we're even putting ourselves at risk if we don't. Hell is real. It's It's a necessary part of the whole counsel of God. And we need to be preaching those warnings. Would we rather not? I think we could probably all say, I mean, we take no delight in the idea that People will suffer eternally if they, if they don't serve God in this life. There's no, we don't take any joy in that. That's not a thing that we have pleasure to announce. But it's a real thing and a necessary warning. And so we need to be talking about hell. As we wrap this study up, we simply ask you, what about that? What about the reality of hell and your situation, your preparation? Are you living in such a way to avoid that outcome and receive the reward of God in heaven. If you're not a Christian, we would urge you to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we'll hope you make that decision. If you're a Christian already, but you've slipped back and not been faithful to your Lord, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing. Give me thy heart.